Hello everybody, I'm Kieran and I'm Mark and this is DD Teach. Uh, we are back once again and we lied to you. We said this was going to be a Kazusada Higuchi profile show and it very much is not. Uh, that's because uh, it turns out reviewing a show is much easier than doing a whole load of research and um, uh, uh, then making a show out of that uh, when you have another podcast that is weekly. <laughs> the monthly one kind of takes a bit of a backseat. Also, I started a new job which has taken up a lot of my time and getting used to going back into an office again and uh, generally becoming a functioning member of society again rather than an unemployed layabout who has loads of time to watch wrestling. It's taken quite a lot of adjustment. But despite my three train cancellations in two days... Jesus. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, <laughs> I had a wonderful day yesterday, bookended by my train into work being cancelled and my train home from work being cancelled. I'm determined to be in the DDT spirit. I have my... Oh, yeah, you have got it. Uh, yeah. I have my Disaster Box T-shirt on for the first time. Uh, I'll put a picture up on the... Um, uh, you bought the... it after Yoshimura left the stable, didn't I you? I was already planning to buy it because I'd seen... It's the it's the comic book one with them all doing like a signature move. So you've got Hiroshima Somato, you've got the Naomi Yoshimura powerbomb, uh, Toru Owashi chokeslam, and then poor Kazuki Hirata isn't doing any signature moves. His is Tokyo Go and he's in the middle of a dance. Um yeah, I like the design. I was going to buy it anyway. And then they split up and I was like, well, I have to buy it now because they're going to discontinue the damn T-shirt. Uh, so, yeah, I'm trying to I'm trying to use it to help me put me in the in the DDT mood. Meanwhile, I'm I'm wearing my best Shinichiro Kawamatu uh, cosplay without a suit jacket. <laughs> I did think he looked quite a lot like Phoenix Wright uh, in his match. But we will get to that. Yes. So rather than talking about um, the champion, uh, I nearly said Kazuki Hirata. That's not right. <laughs> Uh, Kazusada Higuchi, uh, we are going to talk about Wrestle Peter Pan, which was, as we record this, uh, three days ago, 20th of August, 2022. Yep. Uh, from Ota Ward Gymnasium. I think they did something like 1,700 people. Uh, 1,200, 1,280, Ooh, okay, something that's like even that. Worse. Yeah. Um, also, don't rely on me doing maths. I'm off the clock. I'm not working. <laughs> Fine. Yeah, the mass part of Mark's brain shuts down when he's not being paid for it. Uh, so I've got to say, before we start, in the wide shots and when like people went near the crowd, this looks sparse. So I've been in Ota Ward Gym when it's been full. Mm. I was there for New Year's Dash 2020. And at, as I think as we talked about on the last episode, at peak, that place can hold 4,000 people. Yeah, This was very sparse they they declared it as a no vacancy and i think by that they meant they had very limited tickets well maybe yeah, they it, only had 1250 tickets maybe they're only allowed to because this was a show where cheering was allowed however the crowd a lot you of the wouldn't time tell at times yeah they seem very reticent to cheer but i i think this is I've, I've seen a few different shows from uh promotions as they're coming back not many hmm I definitely think people that are expecting the crowds to behave as they were in 2019, mm. sadly, I don't think that's going to happen. And I don't think it's just a DDT thing. No, I know you're, that you're um, right, yeah. our mutual friend, Alan Forel, is very, very worried about the state of 
Japanese wrestling now that the restrictions are almost over because mm. he doesn't he thinks that you know it's not going to be the same experience as it was before I think he's probably right um uh Japanese society is resistant to change uh, and and tends to like for all of the technological innovation of the country the the society moves very slowly um and i think it will be long a long time before you see everybody without masks and everybody cheering again um so on that downer let's start the show <laughs> our opener uh was yusuke okada uh Yuya Kuroku and Illusion with one L. I really wish he put the second L in because it's fucking with my spell check. Uh, versus <laughs> Yuki Yoshida, Takeshi Masada, and Tori Kojima. Uh, the youngsters are very impressive again. Like DDT have got a real, we talk about this all the time. They have a really mm. skilled crop of young wrestlers coming up and filling out the cards. Um, I don't have many notes. So I had a uh, company for the first three or four matches, so I wasn't able to take notes. Uh, so I have very sparse notes on the first four matches. Basically, all I've got is uh, Kuroku put Ishida in Kensuke's stranglehold gamma and then twisted his arm in horrible ways until he submitted possibly for real. <laughs> yeah, that, so, That's a fair summation of the finish. Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in. So as you said, the rookies are very good. The other thing is they're all very distinct. Mm, yes. So you've got Ishida, who is your sumo guy, who is very much a, I, I think of him as a wrestler. He wrestles in straight lines because yes. all he does is run at people or do moves at people that are running at him. He's like, and I really like that. He's, I think he's, he's going growing. to become very popular. Like he's got something about him. He's got, he's mm. full of fire, which is great. Oh God. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's brilliant. Yeah. Oh, also he start he'd used the uh, the neko damashi loud loud clap in front of someone's face as a kind of uh, oh maybe he's a, maybe he's a hyo fan perhaps <laughs> he watches dragon fan. gate yeah um also uh, in this match people might not know the name takeshi masada don't worry he debuted on the 14th of August. Yeah, I did wonder if he had been um, sort of like rookieing around in dark matches and I hadn't noticed. And then uh, on the, the Corican show on the 14th, he was like allowed to wear like shiny trousers and uh, had just suddenly challenged Harashima for his debut match. Uh, yeah, Harashima, no, this, by the this... way, seemed to have a fucking ball in that match. He was enjoying the hell out of slapping that kid around. Oh, he loved it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, Masada, to me, in the first match, definitely was getting Hiroshima vibes. Mm. But there's definitely also a mix of Kudo as well in terms of the the kicks. I mean, commentary pointed out that he's got a, a Chinese Kempo background. Okay. Uh, but yeah, no, it was a it was just a good rookie opener. And yeah. Ten minutes. I, I just know fun wrestling. I just know that one of the things I really appreciate this year with DDT, uh, partly because I don't think at the top of the card they've hit on all cylinders, but definitely having the rookies there that I'm invested in definitely mm. makes shows easier for me to get into on the undercard. Yeah, absolutely. Um, match number two, trios action again. Uh, Toru Washi, Antonio Honda, and Kazuki Hirata versus Yuji Hino, Super Sasadango Machine, and Yukio Naya versus... 
Pheromones, Dan Shocker, Dandy Dino, uh, UG Sexy, Eno, and the new one, uh, whose name appears to be Shining Ball. <laughs> Koju Shining Ball Takeda. Yes. Um, Who seems to have from- a large silver phallus attached to his trunks as he I will came ex- out. I will explain this phallus. Uh, okay. So Takeda is from... Uh, Triple Six, so that is his okay. home promotion. Uh, before, in the build-up to this, there was a mystery pheromones wrestler who was uh, a masked wrestler who was known as White Briefs Man because yes. he basically had white briefs on his head. Yes. Um, and it was uh, Takeda. Now, Triple uh, Six have the Shinjuku 2 Chomei sub-brand, I believe. Right, okay. Uh and the title that you're referring to is the Shinjuku 2 Chomei ILNP Championship. Oh, so um, wait, so his knob was a belt. His knob was a championship. There's a reason why, yes, the knob was a championship because this is the title and uh, Shinjuku 2 Chomei, uh, traditionally well-known as Japanese gay bar district. Uh, okay. I am not that I know too much about this, but uh, that would probably be in the district. Uh, is it Kabuki Cho that's just north of Shinjuku, which is essentially all the love hotels and a little bit red lighty? Uh, I didn't venture maybe, when I stayed in Shinjuku, Shinjuku. I must say, I didn't venture in there, it looked a bit scary. Uh, my hotel was south of that, um, and I, I avoided it. I- I know someone that fell afoul of things there, and that's all I'll say. But yeah, fair enough. Um, uh, as I mentioned, anyway, this yes, match. Yes, as I mentioned, I had company. My girlfriend was with me. Uh, she was uh, watching this. Horrified. With me. Uh, well, uh, we are still together uh, after <laughs> she has seen. She has seen maybe uh, twenty-five wrestling matches, all of them since since meeting me, and. Um, uh, this was one of them. One of them is a pheromones match, yes. Uh, so I did say, look, I can guarantee you two things in this match. Um, Antonio Honda will retire. And she's like, oh, no, it's his last match. And I, I was kind of thinking of going along with the guy and going, yes, this is his last match. And I was like, no, no, he retires in every match. And then he has yep. to tell a story about a fox, um, which massively confused her because she still can't quite get her head around this athletic contest not actually being a contest which is brilliant for watching wrestling with her and like people will do stuff we think is really simple like an arm drag and she's like oh that was a nice throw and that kind of thing it's it's so much fun watching like wrestling with a non-fan sometimes particularly Mm. someone who's open to it like the 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 closed-minded oh it's a load of fake rubbish like that's no fun but like yeah someone who's open to it and is just sort of like appreciating the athleticism great fun the other thing I said is there will be a lot of bare ass. She there was, was a lot of she bare was ass. still not prepared for that much pheromone <laughs> butt though. Like the first, the first shot of I explained like Eno's gimmick of like you know he likes the pain it turns him on and it makes him strip off. Like it's essentially like chops a tequila to him, yeah. uh, and that the first shot of when like he's got his gear off and they call it his his uh, his underwear they call the O back. Because of the shape it makes around around the cheeks, she was not prepared for that, and she was also not prepared for the cameras not cutting away from it. Like this is just normal now. <laughs> um, but we are still together. Um, this whole thing went on far too long. Yeah. Uh, 
I did quite like the visual gag of um, Yuji Hino and Sasadango swapping places. So they that each was... came out. I don't know why, because I didn't understand the skit beforehand, but they each came out dressed as the other. Sakai's Hino impersonation is very good. Yeah, Sakai. It was one of the better things I've seen from Sakai in quite a while. And it's like, it was the highlight of a pheromones match. Yes. Uh, I like how they'd drawn on the beard. They'd drawn on the lion the tattoo. Tat- yeah, the drawn on <laughs> tattoo, the drawn on beard. It's yeah. just, and, yeah. and doing everything with his hands behind his back, even yeah. when he shouldn't be. Yes. <laughs> uh, all I wrote about the finish was someone submitted to a bum thing. I forget who. That's all we need to know. Pheromones won yeah. and seemingly cannot yes. be stopped. Yeah. You'll never guess what happened next. Trio's action. Uh, <laughs> Yukio Sakaguchi, Hirashima, and Hideki Okutani versus Naomi Yoshimura, Kota Umeda, and on loan from Dragon Gate, Keisuke Okuda. And he was absolutely fucking wasted in this match. Pointless. Uh, okay, I'll give you the context. Uh, Okuda actually started in DDT. Okay. Uh, so Okuda and Omeda were part of the DNA subbrand, which was basically, it was DDT's attempt at an NXT. Yes. And a lot of the, the 20-somethings guys that you see, so uh, Ueno, Yoshimura, Mao, Katsumata, Higuchi, they all came through D- DNA. Okay. Um, so it was bringing those guys back. That was the, the theme of it. But yeah, it was a it was a decent undercard tag. I, I think there's suggestions that Akuda might be back for something with Sakaguchi. Yeah, they did seem to square off at the end, didn't they? Yeah, um, there was a lot of emphasis on kicking, as I rec- recall. I don't remember much about it. I this seemed to be a bit of a proving ground for Okatani because he was getting battered throughout oh, a yeah. lot of this. Just caved in with kicks all over the place um i also remember harashima being uncommonly happy as he was at corican i i kind of as i said i kind of chalked that up to him getting to beat up the rookie but here he was like he was almost mal like sometimes so like he was covered in like he got one of the best streamer reactions of the whole show mm. and he was like he was he would kind of wrap them around his legs and jump and spin around and try and wrap himself up in them, all with this massive grin on his face, which he kept for the whole match. He seems to be having a whale of a time. I mean, he's a guy whose stable was called Smile Squash. He is known for smiling. For it's smiling. just that we've not seen too much. Uh, and indeed, squashed Yoshimura with Somato for the pin. Yeah. Uh, uh, also, if you notice, Harashima's growing a mustache. Is he? It looks like it. He's actually had more facial hair than I'm... Because I'm used to him being clean-shaven, and he's definitely got some growth. I'd noticed there was a slight change in the... There'd been a slight change in the haircut uh, recently. Uh, I didn't really... I didn't notice... He, I hope he's not he's, growing a pedo stash. That'd be terrible. He's, well, he, he's got... It's not quite a mustache, because he's also got the chin strap beard as well. Yeah. But you can sort of see that he's decided not to shave. He's the best experimenting with it. facial hair. Yeah, which is all of my life. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Up next, Trio's action. (laughs) Now that you say it, yeah, it is quite a a same show. My God. So this really, I mean, might as well get into it now. This really fell into the Japanese super show trap of 
the matches get aren't, everyone on the card. Yeah, it's every it's get everybody on the card and have two or three special matches. Everything else is just filler. It was mm. Japanese promotions when it comes to big shows have this irritating habit of doing the bare minimum to so to sell like to sell enough tickets. And then the next one, they'll do exactly the same thing, but with different special matches. Um, I was largely infuriated by this. This, is, to me, was not a strong lineup. I, almost everybody I took, on this I took card. took it for what it was. But, almost yeah. everybody on this card you can see on any DDT show. Yeah. With the exception of the guests. It was, yeah. It, it didn't feel, for, that, for, you know, DDT Amania, it didn't feel that special. Um, yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, for so I what guess should be their top or second biggest show. Of Absolutely, the year like was. so many champions not having storylines and just being put in six mans and that kind of thing. It was it was largely pointless. Um, this six man, however, is the uh, official pro wrestling debut of uh, Shinichiro Kawamatsu, who is uh what ward is he? So he's a politician. Yeah, is it Bunkyo Ward? Uh, so Bunkyo is the other side. Is the other team? Oh, it's the other side. Yeah. Yes. So he might uh, Shinjuku Ward, maybe. I can't remember. I can't remember. But he's like a, a yeah, he's like a member, a, a councillor. Um, uh, so it's him, Somatsukao, and Sanshiro Takagi against Akito, Makoto Oishi, and uh, Bunkyo Ward councillor Osamu Nishimura. Kawamatsu, as we said, is the politician turned wrestler who was the Ironman Heavy Metalweight champion earlier in the year. Nishimura, long-time wrestler who is now who has turned to politics. Um, Kawamatsu, as we kind of alluded to, wrestled in a suit for this match. Yeah, uh, he did take his tie off, but the rest, the the rest. Of, I think there was a spot where um, Nishimura was supposed to rip his jacket off and couldn't do it. I think because I, I did notice, that. like his shirt underneath didn't have any sleeves. Ah, so I think I I thought the idea was going to be like they were over the course of the match going to rip the suit off him and turn him into a wrestler, and underneath he would have maybe trunks and knee pads. Mm. Um, he did uh, at the end of the match, like in his interview, say, "I'm not done in wrestling. I want to do this again." Mm. Um, which I only found out through a translation because at the time watching it, I thought he, I kind of thought he was saying this wrestling shit's hard. I don't want to do it again. <laughs> um, I've got to say he looked absolutely fine for a guy in his first proper match. Yeah, not, loved not a good running shoulder block. Mm. Uh, he seemed to default to that when he didn't know what else he, to do. But I've he, seen his, far more experienced people look far worse than he did here. His his chops were definitely his weakest part. I did His seem like he was job. scared of hitting people. So I yeah. noticed when he went, when he would go to, it was only really Nishimura he exchanged strikes with. Mm. Uh, and a lot of the match was him like getting beaten up and selling, which as it should be, like he's the rookie, he's yes. the new guy. Um, when he would exchange chops with Nishimura, Nishimura would chop him properly because obviously he's gone. I've been watching Osama Nishimura matches for over 25 years. Um, oh yeah. Uh, and Kamatsu, when he hit him back, would just sort of slap his slap him on the collarbone, so not mm. even on the chest. It was quite high, and he wasn't really putting any force into it. Yeah. Um. But like he was, for the most part, in the right place at the right time. Can run the ropes. Got a good turn of speed on him. Um. I absolutely no disgrace whatsoever. Um. And then Nishimura tapped to- him out with a figure four. 
Yeah, I have to say my favourite spot of the match. I mean, don't get me wrong, Kamatsu did well. My favourite spot of the match was Shin, uh, not Shingo, Sanchiro Takagi trying to do the handstand head scissor escape, oh, yeah. utterly failing and needing Takao to basically help him do it. Yes. Match number five. Not trio's action. But another tag match. Yeah. Uh, Saki Akai and Junakiyama versus Asuka, not that one, and Chris Brooks. Asuka came out as Venny Quinn. Uh, I was sick of Harley Quinn cosplay at least five years ago because I've worked at a lot of MCM Comic-Cons. Oh, God, yeah. And it is by far the most popular costume for women at those shows. Mm. Um, uh, Akiyama kind of, he refused to shake Asuka's hand at the beginning. And I, I my note immediately after that is, I hope this match is about him eventually showing her respect. And I was really disappointed when it wasn't. Hmm. I thought that would have been a far better story than the one they actually told in the match. Yeah. Um, there is... Um, so Asuka did a uh, 015 festival. I can't remember if it was three years ago, four years ago. And one of her opponents was Yuji Hino. And they did a fantastic story of him not wanting to chop her, being mm. too... Like, no, I can beat you without going all out. And then having to basically... Asuka was so good that he had to bring it and then showed her respect at the end. That's a great example of that kind of match. Yeah, kind of underestimating her and like oh, having to bring out the big guns to... Yeah. And, and treat her like a proper wrestler. Yes. Yeah. Uh, so we, when she initially tags in, Akiyama, like he immediately becomes this conservative old man. So he would lock up with her, but he wouldn't actively wrestle her. And he would mm. throw her out the ring instead. Um, I've often said that i think saki akai is better when she wrestles men than when she wrestles women yeah she and asuka have pretty good chemistry together i think they had a match on the corican hall show where yeah. they kicked the shit out of each other and it was oh, so yeah. much fun and here mm. they did a load of it was clearly like well-practiced stuff but it was really smooth mm. um i i think that asuka has the best chemistry with akai in terms of uh, a woman that DDT have brought in to wrestle against Akai. Mm. I think, not that Asuka's been brought in, because she's been on the periphery for a yeah. good few, a good while. Um, but I think she's got good chemistry with Akai. Chris Brooks was uh, Chris Brooks, because, of course, he was the uh, British intergender go-to guy for uh, many a year. So yeah, I but, did, right. but he was the fourth. He was very much the fourth man in this. Yeah, I, one of my notes is Brooks tags back in for Akai to make a comeback on him. It's like two giraffes wet wrestling because <laughs> they're both so tall and thin. They work really well together though. Mm. Like uh, I kind of think Brooks is a bit underrated. He can generally work well with anybody. Um, yeah, knows how to place their strengths. Um, Asker is still only twenty three. Oh, yeah. Which is just wild that she's this good at 23 and everything else she must have gone through and still be mm. going through. Uh, because if anybody doesn't know, like, Asuka is a trans wrestler. So uh, what are the important stuff? Let's cut all this shit in my notes and get to the important stuff. Um, yeah, so there's a bit where um, uh, Asuka and Akiyama end up as the legal participants. Uh, and um, she 
kind of disrespect he's on his knees and she disrespects him for a bit with like kicks to the face and he's sort of mm. he's not that interested in selling for them so she like holds out the hand for to brooks and asks the tag and he refuses and akiyama tells him hang on hang on i will find i'll finally take her on mm. but not for long and he's still a dick to her and gives her this monstrous clothesline by before bringing akai back in again yeah. um there is a great spot where uh akai has the advantage and she goes to the top rope uh for a crossbody and brooks shoves asuka out the way and takes it for her and catches her slams her in place and asuka hits this lovely running shooting star press mm. uh, and then jun decides he's going to break up the pin by just strolling across the ring and slapping her across the back of the head <laughs> i'm pretty sure this is the first time akiyama's done into gender it would not surprise me and you can kind of tell his attitude on it. Yeah, yeah. I will do it to sell the tickets. Don't expect me to do it again. <laughs> so it looks like Asuka has won after a series of kicks to the head and a practically vertical Michinoku driver. Uh, but Akai shifts around on a moonsault into not quite right, not quite the right position to turn mm. the landing into an arm triangle. Uh, so they awkwardly shuffle into position and Asuka taps out. Very disappointed with that finish. Um uh, after the match, they all shake hands. Akiyama finally offers Asuka a left-handed handshake, uh, which she takes, but also slaps him and spits at him. And I just put, disappointing. And I think I was disappointed probably because it didn't tell the story I wanted it to tell and thought it was going to tell. Who knows? They might do a follow-up match. Um, but, yeah. Match number six. We have a happy boy and a bad boy. We do. Uh, um, yes, it is uh, Happy Boy Shun Makatsumato challenging uh, the bad boy Joey Janela for the extreme title in a hardcore match. Uh, in the spirit of Christmas in August, Katsumata is wearing yes. a tinsel boa to the ring. Tinsel keeps turning up at various points in this match. Yeah. Um, I'll go on record right now. I am not a big Joey Janela fan. He doesn't really do it for me. Agreed. Uh, we'll get to it, but I thought there was a point in this match where he looked really stupid. Um, I was shocked he didn't break his neck on the first move of the match. He took a Frankensteiner on his forehead and his leg started to bend over uh, the wrong way, but he somehow managed to save himself. Um, there, <laughs> there, there are some good spots in this match that I did enjoy. Yeah. The first one is Janela coming speeding out of the darkness on oh, what I can only yes. call a battle bicycle. Um, it's the DDT uh, traditional combat bicycle. Yes, um, but takes a Lego baseball bat across the chest and just crashes into the first two rows. Um, seemingly, nobody had bothered to tell the people in those seats to vacate. <laughs> Uh, and they had to run very fast as a as an American wrestler on a bicycle came careening towards them. Um, I, I did like, um, oh, hang on, my next note says, I didn't even write down what it was. He comes back with a murder on the apron. Oh, yeah, that was the, I know exactly what this yeah. was. Yeah. It's the, um, I believe uh, Satoshi Kojima used to use it as a CCD, but the best way to describe it is... Uh, a reverse air raid crash. Yes. So you've got the guy with his legs on your shoulders and your, his head under your arm, but instead of uh, the guy's back being behind you, it's in front of yeah. you. So it's like a lifting cradle DDT. Yeah. 
Reverse um, DDT. And it looked like it sucked. It looked really painful. Uh, and he demands the young boys uh, help him set up a barbed wire board between two tables. Shunma then misses a flip dive and gets nothing but board wire and the floor. Um, Shunma, I'll, on record here, bumped his absolute ass off in this one. He looked like he was determined to kill himself. Uh, so they fight off to the back of the building with uh, um, Takeshi Masada dutifully following them, holding a table. <laughs> Uh, Shunma gets his own back for the barbed wire bump by putting Janela on the table and puts him through it with a splash out of the cheap seats that had to be a legit 20 feet up. He fell so far. And fast. He was going down at velocity. Yeah. Uh, Back in the ring, Janela has two chairs smashed over his head and seemed to go for his blade in his wrist tape, but opts not to use it, and the referee picks it up off the mat and puts it in his pocket anyway. (laughs) Um... Janela then folds Shunma like a 2005 flip phone with a brain buster, followed by completely no-selling a middle rope destroyer. Quickly jumping back. So when Katsumata did a top rope tope con hilo through a barbed wire board, Mm. landing completely on his back and somehow came out busted open on his head. Yes. (laughs) Um. Shunma gets a ladder, a box of Lego, and some thumbtacks as one of, wi- one of the women on commentary completely freaks out. So I watched this with oh, Japanese yes. commentary. Same. Go on. The, one of the Japanese uh, women on commentary, she was making some frantically worried noises. I have the feeling this might be the first of this kind of match she had ever seen because I think they were both yeah. stars from pop groups. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Probably. Yes, and I do recall during the intro, she did say it, it was her first time. It was her first time something. So it could have been her first time watching wrestling. It could have been her first mm. time doing commentary. It could have been her first time at a live show. It could have been her first time seeing DDT. I don't know which. I couldn't get that from yeah. it. But uh, it was almost uh, certainly her first time watching uh, men beat the shit out of each other with barbed wire and Lego and stuff. Um <laughs> Janela has his shoes and socks removed, but German suplexes Shunma into the pile of stuff, and somehow Shunma comes up with a thumbtack in the middle of his chest. <laughs> um, uh, Janela then shows what a fucking idiot he is by doing a double stomp from the ladder, but Shunma moves yeah. and Joey gets feet full of thumbtacks and the commentator loses her shit again. Even if that goes right, you still have to jump off the person you've landed on, and he would have landed <laughs> in the the tax and shit anyway. Yeah, just do a knee drop. Yeah. Uh, in a spot I liked, uh, Shunma handcuffs Janela to the ropes and blasts him with a chair, and tells him if he submits, he'll get the key. Mm. Unfortunately, this goes nowhere as Joey simply kicks him in the nuts and takes the key anyway. Uh, Katsumata gets handcuffed properly, so not to the rope, so wrist to wrist, and yells, <laughs> no, sorry, key please, as Joey hurls it into the crowd. Uh, Toy Kojima has a spare, though, freeing Katsumata to cuff himself to Janela. That's Katsumata to Janela, not mm. Kojima to Janela. They fight to the top of the ladder, where Janela hits a DVD off the top through a barbed wire cover table for the win. Uh, couple of good spots, but generally not a fan, and I think that's because I don't, I'm not a big fan of the Janela style. It's so you can argue this was a lot of this was the the Katsumata style match, but often when we see it, Katsumata's doing this kind of match with someone like Amal, hmm. someone that's got their own. I'm definitely with you that Janela's a guy who 
the hype was because at a time when uh, US indie shows lacked a lot of energy and a lot of charisma, he had a couple of shows with the spring breaks that caught people's imagination because of the yeah. wacky booking. The problem yeah. is that lasted a grand total of three shows and he's been coasting off that reputation ever since. Yeah, and, they nothing kind of- of, and nothing of the strength of those shows was him wrestling. The strength was him coming up with ideas and having someone that could actually do good video packages. Yeah, the strength was 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 the meme booking. Like hmm. the attention the attention grabbing booking. Like watching those shows, like some of them are an absolute slog to get through. Yeah. Like the clusterfuck is funny once. Yep. But as uh, quickly you run out of people you can put in it, I think. Yeah. And unfortunately, uh Janela still has the extreme title and yeah, we're going to be getting him defending the title in the USA, probably in the usual Janela garbage brawl style, which will do nothing to actually to help promote DDT or the title. But can you guess that me and Kieran, not big Janela fans? No, not especially. Match number seven for the universal title, Masahiro Takanashi defends against Yuki Ueno. Um... I spent most of this match yawning. I So this show is pretty long and I had other commitments and stuff. It took me three days to get through this show and this was where I really started flagging this match. Uh, I, I have minimal notes. So if you have anything to say, if you have uh, a long monologue about uh, Masahiro Takanashi versus Yuki uh, Ueno, uh, the floor is yours. Uh, well... As Kieran can see, that is my notes. They are utterly unintelligible for yes. any human being. You appear to have written them in a diary as well. Did this match take yes. place on <laughs> on April the 22nd, 1995? No, I keep buying diaries, never use them and use them as notebooks. <laughs> All right, fair enough. Uh, yeah. Uh, so if I don't turn up to anything that anyone organises, that's why. Anyway, or if he um, shows up at your place and goes, I thought this was Mao versus Tetsuya Endo. What's going on? <laughs> I get the appeal of Takanashi. He has a very distinctive... He's he's the trickster archetype, I think I've said before. Yeah. But I'm not a massive fan of him. And this uh, where the, the this, style can get old very quickly. This is the match where the ship sailed for me on Masahiro Takanashi. Like, previously I've been sort of like, oh, okay, you know, he's a fairly decent kind of... Uh, like Japanese indie guy, but I was kind of, I kind of, he doesn't even really have a shtick, but I was tired of the shtick. Like I really kind of noticed the holes in his game in this match, I think. Yeah. Uh, and one of the holes in his game is, is, is keeping a match interesting. He has an incredibly good, like one of DDT's best matches of 2010, and it's an underrated gem. Mm. But the reason it's an underrated gem is because it's him as a complete underdog against Daisuke Sekimoto mm. getting very little in and just fighting from underneath. And so even his ago. even his best match uh, was basically it was based around someone else's style. So when he drives something, it, it loses a bit of direction. And there was one counter here. One of the there was a crucifix bomb counter, and it was one of the most labored transition spots I've seen for years. It took him ages to get into position, like continents have drifted in the time it took him to get in the right position for this. Yeah, 
Um, the point where I really checked out was Takanashi making the ref give Ueno a code red, and I almost switched this off. Um, mm. They clumsily reverse each other's finishers. Something else I've already forgotten happened, uh, and then Ueno hit a shit version of WR to win. Um, yeah. uh, I mean, the, my favourite bit of the match was Ueno hit a, a float over Blizzard Suplex, which looked absolutely lovely. Mm. But the, the problem is, Ueno's a Bueno is a very good wrestler. He's he's going to be a very important key player for DDT in about two three years. Yes, if not if not even sooner. Yes, but this was the wrong opponent for him, and he just did not look strong whatsoever. So yes, uh, Bueno is the the universal champion, and that's good because it means that he's got a direction. But it also feels like a rehash of what he did back in twenty twenty one. He's already had his, or was it 2020? He's already had his long universal title run. Mm. So it just feels like he's standing in place in that kind of upper mid-card spot because they need to give the focus to Higuchi at the moment and they don't have enough programs. Well, we'll see what happens next. His first defense is already scheduled for the Corican Hall show at the end of September. And his opponent will be somebody uh, very familiar to British wrestling fans in Cara Noir, uh, who, how do we describe Cara Noir for people who don't know? Black Swan the wrestler. Yeah, ba- basically it's like, uh, it's amateur dramatics uh, wrestler. Technically he's very competent, he's good at ringing out the drama, but it's a gimmick that you can grow old. It, can grow old and it did grow old i think on the british scene seeing it repeatedly i think it helps that he's doing a two-show run in ddt which Mm. i think is enough time to introduce him in a tag match have the title match um it's a good thing it's corican hall because there's a lot of ddt venues that car noir entrance would look utterly dreadful yeah yeah um i'm not even sure corican's the right choice yeah, uh, when it's done in the right venue with the right production, the entrance is spectacular. Um, and he is a decent wrestler. Um, I know he takes the character and wrestling very seriously. Mm. Um, I also think he has a tendency to overthink wrestling. Yeah, I can see that. However, I am very interested to see how he does in DDT. It's an entirely new audience. All they have seen of him is the... uh, They did a little promo video announcing him earlier on the show. And there was no wrestling as well. No, it was was entirely the entrance, and it was taken from the match with Pac he had at Riptide, uh, which, for my money, is the best Car Noir match I've ever seen. Um, And that's the best I've ever seen that entrance shot as well. Mm. So they portrayed him in the best possible way they could prior to his in-ring debut. It'll be interesting to see how how DDT takes to him and how he takes to DDT. Maybe he'll fit right in. He's something new for them, and it is something new for him. And honestly, that's something that I think DDT does need because the problem with DDT, especially the more comedic stuff, is often it gets played out a lot and it's the same joke repeating Mm. on and on and on. And you're relying on people occasionally mixing it up 
and doing something different. So having someone new coming in mm. will be interesting, but it also suggests that he's going to be in there with some of the more serious type wrestlers. Mm. Uh, but it's there's another sign, not on this show, but uh, on later um, announcements, that Chris Brooks has his fingers in the pies in terms of recommending wrestlers. Yeah, maybe we'll cover that at the end. Um, yeah. For now, though, uh, Lilico is here, having retired on the last show that we reviewed, um, or one of the last shows we reviewed. Uh, it seems she is going to be the special ambassador for their show at Tokyo Dome City Hall on December 29th. Um, apparently, she is determined to be part of uh, an anal explosions uh, ceremony at the start of the show. Um, God, I can't believe I just said those words. Uh, so, moving swiftly on, <laughs> match number eight. Uh, there hasn't been a lot of this. It's trios action. <laughs> uh, as what, what also has there not been a lot of? Wrestlers being wasted in trios action. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, Daisuke Sasaki, Canon, and uh, Dick Togo uh, against Yasu Arano, Mao, and Konosuke Takeshita, the returning conquering hero. Uh, quick thing that I'll say. So Dick Togo was Daisuke Sasaki's original trainer. Mm-hmm. And Yasu Arano is uh, Takeshita's original trainer. Okay, that's interesting. So, Arano was a long-time DDT guy. He was mostly a, a mid-card slash tag guy. Uh, and Dick Togo was a multi-time KOD Openweight champion with his multiple different heel stables of doom. Yeah. Uh, I knew I'd seen Arano before somewhere but he didn't, hadn't made an impression on me. Um, uh, Card-filling Japanese indie guy was what I called him. Uh, and I have a feeling he's one of those wrestlers who is he not, he's not a superstar. He's not um, the greatest wrestler in the world, but he's probably a really good trainer. Mm. Like those kind of solid mid-card guys often make good trainers, even if they're not you know, a big deal themselves. They're not anybody who's ever going to sell a ticket themselves. Uh, Togo comes out to Insane in the Brain by Cypress Hill, which is always a winner. Uh, plus it means MJ appalling isn't wrestling, so double win. Uh, I My first note was, I hope we get Togo the wrestler instead of Togo the booker's assistant. Uh, let's put it this way. 2022 DDT Dick Togo is an awful lot better than 2022 New Japan Dick Togo, says a man that's watched way too much 2022 New Japan Dick <laughs> I did think he and Mal worked together quite well as they were wrestling around a bit near the beginning. Yeah. Um, and there were kind of like flashes of the old Dick Togo. So I, even before DDT, I know Michinoku Pro Dick Togo. I remember him when he was Sato. So even before he took the Dick Togo name. Um. Takeshita has a uh, nice new black, white, and gold gear, which was very spiffy, I thought, like a like good superstar attire. Uh, and better fitting than his usual slightly baggy shorts as well. Yeah. Um, no, it's good, it's good gear. Um, it reminded me a little of a, a book cover from uh, a series from an author called Rebecca Roanhorse, which is me trying to leverage my book reading into a, a podcast for once. <laughs> But no, it's good gear. Uh, I noticed that Togo doesn't slap his thigh when he punches. He slaps his ass. <laughs> um, so... Oh, bare face cheek. Yeah, Jesus Christ. <laughs> uh, 
Uh, Takeshita runs wild, flattening everything in a damnation shirt uh, and spins Sasaki through the air with a major lariat uh, before all three baby faces hit a triple dive. Uh, Takeshita gives Sasaki a wheelbarrow suplex at a terrifying angle, but thankfully everybody mm. survives. Uh, Sasaki and Togo hit stereo pedigrees on uh, Takeshita and Rano, respectively, but Mal... Mal prevents Togo from doing the top rope sent on by grabbing him, grabbing his leg, and Sasaki misses the top rope elbow. Cannon comes in to stink up the joint. This was going to be Cannon's like chance to redeem himself with me. I think he's terrible. He looks good. He looks like uh, <laughs> he looks like uh, <laughs> Goth Kotoribushi, <laughs> um, but I think he's a rubbish wrestler. Like his strikes, there was very often like masses of air in his strikes. Um, uh, thankfully, the baby faces wallop him with kicks uh, and a jumping jumbo knee. But the referee gets pulled out of the ring at two. And I was like, that should have been the finish. Uh, but apparently, Mad Paulie needs to get in the ring and clothesline people. Uh, Takeshita gives him a brain buster. Togo and Sasaki attack Takeshita with chairs. Cannon hits a lariat in a desperate attempt to try and make us think the returning ace is going to lose. Uh, and thankfully, Takeshita just wrecks him with a huge jumping knee for the pin. Mm. Um, this got worse as it went on, I think. Despite some flashes, Togo's far from his heyday. Urano yeah. doesn't really contribute anything. Uh, Damnation TA are the shits. Uh, Mao and Takeshita largely worked for six in this match. I thought this was a fucking waste of Takeshita. It was probably also a waste of Mao, to oh, be honest. Yeah. It's, but yeah, it's... I get what they were doing because they, they build it as a, a 25th anniversary match and I can see what they're doing because they're kind of the idea that you've got two guys that were the past. Admittedly, Togo was a much bigger star than Arano. They've got two guys who are kind of the future, the current or just past the current in Sasaki and Takeshita and they got two guys they think might be the future in Mao and Canon. But it mostly it's like it was it was a waste of Takeshita. It's like if you'd have put him in, uh, you could have built up to it. You could have had someone say, I hear Takeshita's back. Yes, you beat me before you went away. I'm much stronger. Prove it. Hmm. Now me Yoshimura. Now yes. me Yoshimura. Yeah. He was could the first person. Said, yeah. Somebody had a good show. I was thinking somebody had a good showing in King of DDT, but didn't win. And now me Yoshimura fits that bill perfectly. You, you could have done that. Uh, he would have lost, but would have got the rub from that. And also, it would have been a more logical build for what comes next. Yes. I am very glad we're on the same page about this match. I was slightly worried when I finished. I was like, oh, fuck, I hated it. And he, he might have liked it. But, um, yeah, I, I just accomplished nothing. This was a waste of 15 minutes to me. What? Oh, the six man? The, yeah. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the main event. No, thought, we'll get on to the main event. Yeah, yeah. No, the main event is, of course, for the KOD Openweight Championship. Kazusada Higuchi defends against Tetsuya Endo. Um, as we know, the story coming into this is Endo was the champion at Cyber Fight Festival. Uh, everybody's friend, uh, little bastard Nakajima, Kazuhika uh, <laughs> Nakajima, um, gave him a slap and knocked him out legit less than five minutes into the match. Uh, gave him a concussion. Say what you really think about Nakajima. <laughs> he is a little bastard. He'd probably call himself that. <laughs> um, uh, 
Yeah, uh, and the concussion meant he wasn't able to compete in King of DDT, and so he vacated the title, and that became the prize for the winner, and it was won by Kazusada Higuchi. Uh, Tetsuya Endo came back, uh, won a couple of matches, and it was set up that Higuchi versus Endo would be the main event for the title here, which uh, I think we talked about before, we suspected was always going to be the plan for the main event, except it would be Endo defending against tournament winner Higuchi who probably would have pinned him during the tournament. That's what I thought would have... For me, that was logic. Yes, and this would have been the crowning of Higuchi anyway. Yeah. Yeah, they just had to get to that bit a little quicker in a smaller building. There's an hour left to run on the timer bar as Endo's crime against music starts playing, and I was really worried they were going to do a 60-minute draw. Yeah. <laughs> um, Higuchi, as well as the KOD belt, comes out with his tag title. Uh, Naomi Yoshimura, his partner, uh, and the gigantic DDT flag that um, Sanshiro Takagi definitely nicked off the back of a truck at Cyber Fight Festival. Um, uh, they start out really fast-paced. Uh, Endo foils the brain claw with an arm drag, and Higuchi avoids a big knockout kick. The first big turning point is Higuchi giving Endo a face-first electric chair on the apron and a huge leaping kick at ringside. Uh, mm. And then he kind of takes over, basically imposing his physical will because he's like he's a good six inches taller than Endo and he's much heavier. Although, as we've noted, like he has trimmed down a lot from what he used to be. Like yeah. he's not. I can't. You can't say he's in shape because he doesn't really have definition. But he is in better shape than he was for sure. Like he looks like a champion. He looks like a star, and he looks like an athlete now, I, as opposed to I, a mid card former sumo guy. I kind of like having big guys that don't quite have definition because I'm. Mm. It's like put it this way: I'm a big fan of Janichiro Tenryu, and he had a shape, and the shape was lumpy. <laughs> Round is a shape. Um, yes, is um, he? Is, let's say he's more Volta than Gunter. Yeah. Yes. Um, Higuchi with a turn of speed is a scary thing. He can run really fast for a guy his size. Uh, it reminded me a lot of peak Barry Windham. Like they I've are, never heard that, but I can, yeah, I can see it. They're kind of the same shape. Uh, and cause they've got long legs, they cover a lot of ground quickly in a few strides. Um, mm. and like he does it several times in this match. I would not want Higuchi running towards me at the speed he runs even if it's to give me a hug and call me his best mate. Like, <laughs> he is a big, fast man. Um, Endo escapes a brain claw slam attempt, but he can't get Higuchi over with a backslide. Uh, gets control with a quick Kieran, though, <laughs> uh, and drop kicks the champion to the floor where he hits a perfect Endo special. Uh, yeah. That Higuchi was in exactly the right place to catch him on. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The big guy should always catch the little guy. Also... I really appreciate that you're calling it the Kieran. Though. I'm going to. Uh, for people who don't know, the Kieran is DDT matches always have a shift in momentum with a struggle over a vertical suplex, uh, which I noticed a long time ago and cannot unsee, and Mark dubbed it the Kieran. <laughs> um uh, back inside, Endo goes on his first real run of extended offense and reminds me why he's so good. I have a tendency to think, meh, Endo, and then I watch him wrestle and remember that actually he's very good at this. Yeah. Hey, Endo's problem for me is he's a very good wrestler that I often struggle to connect with yes. and think that he's making the wrong decisions. We talked about this on his profile show, didn't we? Yeah. Yeah. 
Like he's like mechanically he is he is there completely. Um but there's something that's just like not quite clicking for either of us. Um mm. He gets caught on a handspring, uh, but is able to struggle out thanks to the the hurting he put on Higuchi's shoulder in an earlier submission hold. That doesn't stop the champion, though, catching him on the top rope, and in your painful endo bump of the night, Brainclaw slams him off the top turnbuckle onto the apron. Ow. I love this because it's not a it's not like a, a big sudden jumping down in one action. He is gradually slowly getting forced. Yes. Or backwards and then loses balance and just eats it. Eats yeah. Shit. Yeah. Um, uh, once, <laughs> once again, the female commentators lose their minds. <laughs> uh, Higuchi hits, does his uh, step over elbow drop. So he does, you know, how all big men have to step over the top rope. Well, he does yep. this over the top onto the middle rope and then springs from there into an elbow drop. It's kind of, it's a bit of a labored setup, but it ends in a, in a good way, I think, in a creative way. Yeah. Uh, unfortunately, he uses the bad arm, so it doesn't quite doesn't quite pass the test. Um, mandatory chop battle. Uh, Endo answers a double chop with a super kick, handspring kick, and a huge last ride. I've said huge a lot on this show. People were hitting some big moves. Um, and if you think like how much bigger Higuchi is than Endo, this was a really impressive feat of strength. I I loved Higuchi. I thought Higuchi's selling was quite good throughout that whole segment because mm. it was about showing that he's taking the damage but staying upright enough so that a he looks like a threat and b he's in position for endo's next spot mm. but endo during the powerbomb where he's literally flailing around because it's like oh shit i'm in a powerbomb i'm not in these what the fuck do i do <laughs> yeah i'm not very often up here <laughs> Uh, Higuchi comes back with a suplex off the top rope and a crazy doctor bomb ends not with a sit out but with the splits uh, oh yeah yeah there was also a lot of power in that as well like endo smashed off the map also that top rope superplex that was not a standard superplex. no no that he... was not even a double underhook that was a double overhook suplex off the top where he grabs both arms in the front of yes yeah, so he's endo's got he's chest. got he's basically got uh endo's biceps in his armpits when he takes him over so you've got kind of like less space to manoeuvre somebody over the top of you than you do in your, your standard arms over the head uh, vertical suplex or even a belly to belly. Um, mm. uh, you'll never believe it. Endo reverses another attempt at a brain claw slam, uh, this time into a backdrop driver, flips out of two German suplexes. And I love the look on um, Higuchi's face on the second one, who like, it starts with, okay, he la uh, I got him on that one. And then it's like, He's on his feet and he's behind me, isn't he? <laughs> um, uh, Endo hits an exploder and a torture rack bomb. Still can't hold the champion down. Burning Star Press still only gets two and lands him finally in the brain claw slam. Um, Higuchi pulls out a really nice running drop kick. Uh, no, and then no, a can, can, we, can we just go back to the Burning Star Press quick? Go on, then. So the Burning Star Press, uh, so he lands... I, maybe I'm jumping ahead. Burning Star Press lands on Endo lands. One, two. As Higuchi kicks out, he grabs Endo's face. With yes, I was, I was kind of underselling it. It was, it was like the face hugger in Alien, but attached to uh, Kazusada Higuchi's wrist. <laughs> it, it was just one of those. It's like, you know what? Yeah, that's got me. I, it just the great 
Yeah. Someone described it as a horror movie moment. And that it is. Yeah, yeah. It's the zombie hand out of the grave. So, yeah, the running dropkick, uh, a callback to Cyber Fight Festival, an enormous slap, which Endo sells like it's almost knocked him out. Um, mm. he, uh, Higuchi does his, I don't know what else to call it apart from the sumo shove, where he just speeds across the ring and just double hands him in the chest and sends him flying. It has a name. It's one of his regular finishers. It's one of my weaknesses. I can't remember the bloody name. <laughs> um this knocks uh effer uh who's effery <laughs> i think i've completed two things it knocks endo down for the referee's down count uh but higuchi interrupts matsui at six uh, and implores endo to get back up and fight on and then fucking murders him with two running lariats and a burning yeah. lariat <laughs> endo still kicks out uh, he struggles to his feet and he yells at Higuchi to finish him off and Higuchi obliges with another enormous sumo shove that looked like it could fell a house and then finally the brain claw slam and the pin. Um, unlike the last match, I thought this got better as it went on. They worked yeah. really hard and it kind of feels like Higuchi is determined to prove he's, deter he's deserving of being the company figurehead. Uh, so Higuchi really brought it. He... he he um he was focused on no i deserve to be in this spot i'm going to show you but uh for me the story of the match especially towards the end the story of the match was endo felt that he'd let people down with the nakajima slap mm. and he was 100% determined to prove that he was better than that and he was determined that he was tougher than that and he got and in the finishing stretch he got too focused on trying to prove how tough he was mm. and not focused enough on actually trying to win. So it's kind of, he got in his own head. But because there's no bad blood between these two, this is like a tough but friendly competition. Yes. Like Higuchi was willing to give him the space to to prove that. Yeah. Higuchi also, Higuchi was like, yeah, you want to prove yourself, do it, show me. Yeah, it was, but it was, that can be quite contrived, that kind of bit. And it gets overused a fair bit in Japanese wrestling. Yes. But I thought here it made perfect sense because the story they're telling of Endo's trying to prove himself and Higuchi thinks that he's stronger, thinks he's tougher. Mm. So is happy to give Endo the opportunity because he was also there when it happened. They're, they're also trying, they're, they're each trying to prove themselves in different ways. Endo is trying to prove that he is better than the guy who got knocked out by a slap in five minutes. And Higuchi yeah. is trying to prove like he is the right choice to lead the company. He is the right man. He'd like, this is his moment. He is the champion. And as much as he wants his friends to succeed, he is not going to go down easily and give up that title he's worked for. No. Um, easily the best match of the night. Oh, God, yeah. Thankfully did not go the full hour. I think they were like 27, 28 minutes, something like that. It was much shorter than Endo occasionally, especially yeah. shorter than Endo and Takeshita have yes. a habit of doing. As we have discussed previously. I don't want my DDT main events to go 30 minutes. I want them to go in that 15 to 25 slot. As much as we enjoy it, it's fair to say DDT for the most part is not a work rate promotion where people should be going 30 minutes plus. Um. Yeah. So after this, we'll wrap up the show quickly. Afterwards, uh, Endo kind of slumps out the ring and is helped to the back. Uh, and the GM asks Higuchi who he wants to be his next challenger. And Higuchi says, I want Konosuke Takeshita. And Takeshita comes out 
and they go nose to nose. And all he says is, let's fight Higuchi. And now that's set up on that Corrigan Hall show we talked about. Uh, it will be um, uh, Kazusada Higuchi defending against Konosuke Takeshita. Um, and that, and that's the same show that Wayno faces Karanawara yes. as well. So they're loading it. They are. Um, we get funky disco end credits uh, with a video showing like the show being set up and some backstage fun. That must have had to be. So we might have mentioned before. I am a professional video editor. That's what I do. Mm. This video would have had to, for the most part, have been edited while the show was going on. I did notice that unlike the ones they would do at WrestleMania, they kind of stopped the match footage like halfway through the show. Um, yeah. And then uh, we get a cut to a live shot backstage uh, where Higuchi finds Endo on the floor and he helps him up and they shake hands and they kind of uh, make good. Like, yeah, we're, you did good, kid. We're friends. Everything is Everything is hunky-dory. You'll get me next time. Yeah. You, there's a sense of come at me again when you're ready. Yeah, absolutely. Um, overall, I've got to call this a poor show. Like the, the undercard is average to bad. Takeshita's return was badly handled and only the main event is really worth watching. I enjoyed last week's Corican Hall show. Everybody shout far, far more. That smoked this and it looks mm. like next month is going to as well. Yeah, it was. It's a one-match card. They, I enjoyed some of the undercard tags, mm. and they and they're quite enjoyable. Also, no, I'm someone that sat through ten New Japan G1 climax shows <laughs> in the last month, and on so your at tolerance least one, for average wrestling must be on at least down. one of those shows. I recommended something not because it was good, because it's like. I think this is bad, but I think people might really enjoy this. So it's like, watch this to see what you if you think it's shit or if you think it's good. <laughs> That's how desperate I got at points. So, yeah, yeah my... Uh, yeah, no, there's, there was good moments in definitely some of the undercard stuff, but it was, it was a one-match show. Yeah. I would absolutely recommend that match, but it's the only thing I can recommend. Yeah. If, if anything... DDT is much more interesting actually coming out of the show than it mm. was going into it, mm. than it was actually at the show even. So um, uh, it will have already ha happened by the time this comes out, but as we record this, tomorrow is a show called DDT Free August, which is their monthly free show at Shinjuku Face. The main event is Higuchi and Yuki Yoshida versus Takeshita and Toya Kojima, which I am all about. I think that'll be loads of fun. Oh, great. Yeah, especially because you've got Kojima and Ishida, who are both probably the two most passionate of the, yeah. the DDT rookies. Yes. Um, and then on September the 10th, Takeshita has his 10th anniversary show and will wrestle twice. Uh, the main event is uh, Takeshita versus Daisuke Sasaki. But two matches before that, he will team with Yuki Ueno against Chris Brooks and making his DDT debut... <laughs> the man you cannot escape on the British wrestling scene, Kid Lycos. The thing that's even more ridiculous than this is most people don't realise this about me. For four years, there's been a running gag with me and my friends, I'm Kid Lycos. <laughs> For years, there's been this running gag. Even when I'm actually there, it's and Lycos is in the card, they still insist they've never seen both of us in the same place. Well, there was two of them. Uh, I'm going to give you a list of stuff to bring back for me from Tokyo. Um, 
Yeah. So Lycos is uh, Brooks's uh, old tag partner from CCK here in the UK. Um, we kind of had enough of him. Like he's everywhere. Uh, keeps getting injured. Keeps coming back. Um, but again, he's one of those acts that is new to DDT and will probably fit in quite well. It's nice to see him there for a little bit. I'd rather not see him become a regular talent. I I think DDT doesn't have much spot for more than one regular Western wrestler. Hmm. So that's it. Uh, any further comments on uh, Peter Pan 2022? Um, not really. Just one quick comment. Um, they made quite a big uh, change for the next uh, Do Grand Prix tournament. So the oh so yes. the next Do Grand Prix tournament is in November. Mm. That's not the big change. It's actually the same. It's actually called the 2022 tournament. That's not the big change either. The the big change. No over forties. Yes. So. No Harashima, mm-hmm. which is a boo because he's, you know, his DDT's still at 45. He's like top. He's older than that. <laughs> he's 48. Oh, Jesus. Yeah. 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 Uh, no. And yeah. And despite that, he's still like top three in the company. Yeah. No um, Harashima, no Uncle Jun. No Uncle Jun. No, no return of Yukio Sakaguchi. Yeah. Uh, no uh, Washi. <laughs> Not that he was ever getting in there. Yeah, ever again. but maybe they will. Like, so some of the the guys in the opening match, maybe they will they will get their shots. Yeah, you like, know, maybe for, we will see uh, Yuki Yoshida will will get to go in. Uh, maybe um, uh, Yusuke Okada will get to go in. You know, I I hope Okada gets in for me because th- this frees up about I reckon including uh, if Takeshita goes back to uh, AEW in November. Uh, he is Which, due to go back. He'll be gone before then. He He's here till the end of September. He, sorry, he's in DDT till the end of September. Then he's going back uh, for the rest of the year. So that's confirmed. So yeah. that's another spot that's freed up. Yeah. So as long as they don't bring back too many wrestlers that they dropped last time, uh, I'm looking at you, Daisuke Sasaki. Um, <laughs> yeah, as long as they don't do that, it's like... Uh, Yusuke Okada, I think, has to be nailed on because if he's not, then someone in management really fucking hates him. Uh, <laughs> sadly, I think Yukio Naya might get a spot. I would love to see Asuka in there. I was thinking that too. That would that would make it interesting. Shunma deserves to be back in it because he's been in it and he was dropped last year. Mm. I, I can't see him not being in it. I can see one of Sasaki or Akito coming back. Mm. Uh and they'll probably have an outsider in the bodyguard spot, as long as it's someone significantly well, it's better not, than the bodyguard. Sh- unless, uh, uh, unless he had a hard paper round, it sure as hell isn't going to be bodyguard. Um, unless it is body. Uh, honestly, the only way you can be better than bod- not be better than bodyguard is by being bodyguard. I will not have the bodger back in uh, that tournament. Um, bad news: Daisuke Sasaki is thirty-six. Um, <laughs> Uh, so that about wraps it oh, up, yeah. I guess, for another episode. Tell you what, next month, shall we do the Higuchi profile? Yes, I will actually get my finger out my backside <laughs> and actually research the damn thing. <laughs> okay, well, we will see you then. Uh, the important stuff to know about us is I am at Kieran Edit. Mark is... 
at monkey underscore buckles. And you can follow the show at ddteachpod on Twitter and also go to linktr.ee slash ddteachpod uh, for all the ways to uh, subscribe to this show and links to Mark's writings on post-wrestling and a whole load of other stuff. This also seems like the appropriate place to plug that. I am on the latest episode of GCP with Andy Ogden. We are talking about the first two episodes of a relic of British wrestling television, the Transatlantic Wrestling Challenge. So if you fancy listening to that, uh, hit at GCP Podcast 1. Uh, Andy will have put up all the links there uh, and go ahead and enjoy that. We will see you next month uh, with the actually advertised Kazusada Higuchi <laughs> profile. Uh, and until then, goodbye. Bye. Well, uh, we will see what happens next as his first defense is already... Dis- uh, <clears throat> well, we'll see what's happening. Oh, fuck my life.